Welcome to episode 61 of Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. Each week, myself, Josh Lindley, and my best pal in the whole friggin' world, <laughs> Dan Forcier. Uh, also, he him, we talk about songs by Santa Cruz, hardcore punk band, Good Riddance. This week, uh, the three songs we're talking about are What's the Answer from the Santa Cruz Hardcore Demo from 1990, One for the Braves from 2000s. That sounds weird to say like 2000s, but I mean just the year 2000. Uh, the EP the Phenomenon of Craving. <laughs> and also Yesterday Died, Tomorrow Won't Be Born from Operation Phoenix. Dan, what's the answer? I mean, how you doing? <laughs> bang, bang. What's the hang? Uh, I am doing pretty well, all things considered, I think. You know, I'm alive. <laughs> I don't know. If people, uh, if people want to ask us questions about the pod or ask us what the hell we're supposed to do in whatever it is, five weeks when this thing is done, uh, how do they do that? Well, they can, <laughs> they can uh, follow us on Instagram at Last Believer Pod and slide into those DMs. All those questions and concerns and constructive criticism, always, always welcome. Or a little bit more long form, if you don't use social media, email us, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com. We also have a a playlist. I actually spent some time listening to a playlist today. Here's a bit of a thing this week. I'm having a real this is your life kind of week. Sure. Yesterday, I get a text message from my brother. My brother lives in Calgary. He texts me and says, hey, this girl that you were friends with in high school, she's looking for you. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I haven't talked to her in a million years, whatever. Send her my Instagram. So anyway, end up texting with this person who like when we were like 13, 14, 15, we were best friends, uh, this girl and I. And we like got into punk at the same time. It was actually her like I was kind of into punk. And then her older cousin uh, who played in a lot of bands that's not worth getting into. But he made her a tape and then I made him make me the same tape. And that tape was a 90 minute tape. It was 45 minutes on each side. And on one side was Minor Threats Complete Discography. And on the other side was everything Drop Dead had ever put out. And that tape is definitely like the benchmark. Like those are still my two favorite hardcore bands. (laughs) Like nice. that's, that's the benchmark. Anyway, so her and I are talking. She's got like five kids. She works in healthcare. Great. Cool. I haven't talked to you since, you know, 2001 or 2002 was the last time I talked to this person. Then today... There's a new record store opening in Toronto soon. Maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be open. It's called Emissions Record. And, uh, you know, I sort of feel like I am vaguely connected to anyone that's going to open a record store in Toronto. But I heard that, uh, you know, they're stocking up. They're about to open this record store. And it's going to be primarily punk and hardcore record store. So I send a DM to this record store, Emissions Records. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I've been sitting on a handful of LPs and a handful of seven inches that, uh, you know, I don't. They're good. I just don't listen to them enough to bother keeping them around. If you're opening a store and someone else is going to buy them and actually get into it, then, you know, uh, why don't I come and show you my records? And he was like, okay, sure. Cool. Can you meet me at this address? And I'm driving and I go to this house. And as I'm pulling into the house, another car pulls into the same driveway. And uh, an old friend of mine who uh, she used to, she was like the girl in Halifax that would have bands crash at her house all the time. She had this amazing apartment with like a huge living room, like totally suitable for seven people to sleep across a living room floor at her apartment in Halifax. And she married this guy who was opening a record store, who is a guy who used to do all the shows in Kitchener Waterloo. So twice in two days, I've come in contact with people that I haven't seen in at least 17 years. That's wild. It wasn't 17 yeah. years for me. It was uh, the people that I saw on the weekend. It was just more or less pre-pandemic <laughs> since I had seen them. Yeah, um, sure. 
like in, in uh, before even the episode we had uh oh it's kind of full circle when we had uh chris cresswell on you know i was kind of talking about how i went to like chicks dig it and i was like apprehensive of being at shows you know uh while we're in still this era of the the pandemic and then um the aforementioned chris cresswell was playing a uh, solo set um at um the hard luck same place where we saw rules and chuck coles from rules he was also playing as well so it was kind of just a little champagne jam of uh toronto punks and i just ran into so many people above the age of 35 you know it was that kind of crowd that i yeah, hadn't seen in so long and it was so many hugs and handshakes it was almost like like i walked up the stairs with my mask on from outside and then I kind of felt like people turn and look and being like, whoa, I'm the only one with a mask on wild, whatever. I'm comfortable. I got my, my shots and everything. And then everything was just like hugs and handshakes. And I was like, I kind of forgot that we're in this time of history about like at the almost two year to the day mark of everything being shut down. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Good times. Bizarre. Though. Yeah. If you want to hear stuff from chris cresswell and rules and bands that we just talked about we have a playlist that's on spotify and oh, apple music also if you check out the last believer patreon there is a, a little like eight to ten minute long clip of me talking with chris cresswell about him uh recording songs for his solo career versus recording for the band and i finish it on an amazing flatliners joke um yeah. we'll see what happens with the patreon in the next little while is there anything else you want to talk about before we start rolling here dan i feel like there probably was but I uh, I got thrown for a loop because I cracked this uh, this near beer that a friend gave me and it is a uh, um, uh, what the hell kind of beer is it a bad one it's a bad one but um, oh, okay it's like you you know sometimes I like a good hazy IPA this one no <laughs> no I'm gonna switch her up well then Dan I have a question for you what's the answer. Uh, what's what's the, the answer is the bro? first what, what's the answer is the first song we're going to talk about this week it is on the Santa Cruz hardcore tape it is the last of the songs from this particular demo the lineup as we've talked about many times on this show uh, is questionable uh, there are different timelines you see on online the important thing is Luke and Russ both in this lineup and you can definitely <laughs> tell by listening to this song yeah. Dan how did you feel about what's the answer I know you've been not so hot on the demo tracks how did you yeah. feel about what's the answer? Well, it's funny that you say that because I wanted to start before I get into it uh, with the question to you. Actually, it's not even a mm. question, but it's basically just a curiosity of uh, what you assume my take on this will be. So what's the answer to that? What's the answer to what's the answer? No, what's the answer to what you think my take is going to be before I get into it? Yeah, I think you're going to be into it. I think you're going to like this song uh, for one reason, one reason only, because it's fast. Okay, well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> if you're Was this your it. way of stalling because you didn't have your like notes folder open or something? No, I totally have it open. I just feel really brain dead <laughs> at the moment. Um, so while I don't love this song, I don't hate it either. So yeah. you're on the right track. Um, yeah. I don't I don't like it as a quote unquote good written song, but I more or so like it like a historical artifact. A hundred percent. Totally. Because I'm because I'm like I, I listen to it and it's like, all right, I get a, like a big LA punk vibe that's like uh it's like the germs and black flag have a love child that is then raised by suicidal tendencies. Sure. Uh, and like 
you know, like it has that hardcore flavor of the almighty black flag. It has the fast punk and snottiness. It's reminiscent of the germs with a lot of it. And um, suicidal may have been a stretch. I was kind of racking my brain um, for basically for the noodly parts being like, yeah. oh, who could do it? And I was like, yeah. And then now as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, maybe TSOL. I don't know. Either way, there's a very California, but like SoCal, like LA kind of vibe to this. And I, yeah, it, as we've said before, with some of the demo songs, it is of a time. Like it is, it is a, a relic. It is a rough demo. Uh, but I do also really kind of like that about it surprisingly enough and i can mm-hmm. th- like i can think of a myriad of band cassettes that i have from the early to mid 90s that all have this like gritty scratchy scratchy sketchy production no scratchy that, scratchy works yeah sure scratchy, sure but it, either way it warms my cold black heart just to kind of listen to it and have that like that vibe you know that just that old punk vibe that it was didn't matter if it sounded good it was all about just getting it out there like getting that energy out and i was on such a positive streak here that i decided not to like read into what russ's 33 year old lyrics are in this just in case it took away from the nostalgia high that i was on from like sonically just getting into this song and like especially after how beautifully written bobby bone (laughs) was last week and how much i gushed about it i didn't want to uh I didn't want that to bum me out by reading something <laughs> that is like three decades older and just not, you know, up to snuff to that standard. But uh, yeah, this was a really good demo song. Not, not, I don't love it as a, like I said, as a quote unquote good written song, but uh, there is definitely something here to like listen to and have fun with and be like, yes, these are just some snotty kids up to no good. Like there has to be bands out there that sound like this still, right? Oh, one... <laughs> There has to be, and if you know of any, send them my way. But also, but, uh, or or did the internet ruin that? And now it's like standards are too high, and everyone can record a decent sounding demo on their laptop. And like, like, do bands sound this bad anymore? And by sound bad, I mean like, <laughs> no, no, I, know uh, what I you mean, mean like yeah. audio, not like the band yeah. is bad, but just like yeah, yeah. audio and like obviously just like scrappy, getting through it kind of thing. Or is it like? Yeah, man. Everyone has like built-in metronomes while they're recording stuff now. So, yeah, you know, that's actually who, really who good needs point. an in-ear monitor? I mean, even without, excuse me, even without in-ear monitors, just the the ease with the technology that you can record something. It's yeah, it's not. I don't. I think it, unless you're kind of recording with a four track in the basement you're probably not yeah. going to get that same that same vibe. But but then there's that weird thing about like it would be on purpose to sound like that. And it would be sort of like a methodical reason to sound like that, as opposed to in what's the answer on the Santa Cruz hardcore tape. It's like good riddance dead didn't have a choice. This is just what the band had to sound like. This is where we're Mm -hmm. at, you know? But I think if, if someone was trying to sound like that, it might come off as sounding fake or disingenuine. So we know that Russ was into uniform choice and we know that Luke was into Exodus oh, and creator, there we go. but what's, yep. what's the answer though is so like you're saying, it's like capital P punk, you know, that opening mm. riff would, would be enough to prove it. But then Russ, I, at least like, I think it's Russ who, who knows he comes in with this like grimy attempt at pronouncing the name of that label. Blurg. <laughs> you know that label? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like like contemporaries with slap a ham kind of thing. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, 
you can tell the band is playing as fast as they can physically like within their abilities at that time and the speed alone like i was saying is enough for me to get totally into this song especially because the vocal delivery is also keeping up that speed at least in the verses the chorus stays fast but the lyrics repeat the same question in the chorus and i think that question period is the best uh, way i can put it but like the question period on anyone's <laughs> songwriting journey is an important one and you were worried about like i'm not looking too much into the lyrics because i don't want to blow it because we talked about bobby bond last week and obviously russ had hit a stride at that point but i think that you know everyone has the song on their demos or early records that you know they're usually super open-ended and not at all special questions like you know what's the answer or you know is this the nice way to be for instance sure uh, <laughs> the drums in the chorus aren't so much good as they are sweet you know those snare mm. hits and and definitely like it's not a roll which is again indicative of the skill level of the time and that's sort of what i was talking about about do bands actually sound like this like i feel like bands are too good before they could ever record a demo at this point you could be right the haha in the vocals winning the hearts and minds and black bag confidential both also use the haha so it's funny to hear it used this early on in good riddance's uh, existence and Classics then never die <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, and speaking of good riddance moments the pick scrape going into the breakdown shows up in what's the answer as well i feel like uh the bones of good riddance are starting to like harden with this song like this is this there's way there's things in here that you can see stretch out over the next 33 years or whatever uh the breakdown is something uh like you were saying the uh like i i felt like a social d inspired guitar lead over a suicidal s <laughs> okay. yeah like a suicidal esque kind of groove it was you more know, rocky less metally. yeah 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 for sure so like social d over top of a suicidal-esque inspired groove with a shouted vocal but like it's a shouted very wordy diatribe you know the the last verse is the same as the first and at first listen what's the answer just sounds like some punk song anyone would have written but yeah in going deep for this week's episode i feel like all the ingredients for what good riddance would grow into are there they just haven't you know been weighed out balanced out properly yet plus What's the answer is only three minutes long, so it might be the shortest song on the Santa Cruz Hardcore tape. <laughs> it's when I, when I was looking at the, the track listing, part of it was because I know we talked about the song Homeless and it being like, boo, you know, <laughs> boo, yep. uh, lyrically, right? Or just kind of how it's gone. And that's why I was like, uh, don't go too much into what's the answer. You're enjoying it, let's just let it go <laughs> for now. Yeah. Yeah. Let people enjoy things. Never. Song two is one for the Braves. It's the second song in and the last song that we're covering on Phenomenon of Craving from the year 2000. This is, uh, as as Dan liked when I said it last week, Ron Rankin. 
Flat Pabish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and how did you feel about one for the Braves? So, <clears throat> my first impressions for this one were going to be done by, uh, or we're done, not going to be done. We're done by watching the video. So, no yeah. lyric read through, no stream, just video first. Well, I mean, like audio too. I'm not a fucking monster, but like the, I watched the video first, and that's how I was going to start uh, to to get my my impression. Because vi- visuals are always just really fun, and I can find I find can really enhance um, something that is lackluster. Not that this is lackluster, but uh, this video is actually really fun and funny, super fun. Yeah, and um, you know, like I like that it, it kind of takes place in like this cafe where. <laughs> seemingly it looks like a cafe you know where they're uh, like luke russ and chuck look like they're having a lot of fun like the time of their lives not yeah. a lot of focus on hired gun davy ron though i noticed sure. that he's, he's in the background but uh yeah he doesn't get any cool close-ups but um i also speaking of like cool kind of close-ups i do love that quick flash of the hockey jersey from the niedermeyer devil's jersey for like of a course. hot second that was pretty fun uh and might i add that super sick kill your idol shirt that russ has uh-huh. on that yep. colorway is money and i need to find it i need to see <laughs> if i can track one of those down nick's colors are classics and as i already said today classics never die like that blue orange and white whew, love it so good who knows maybe emission records will have uh t-shirts for sale as well as you were talking about them, I just looked them up on the gram and I started giving them a follow. No, no address to where they're going to be as of yet, though, right? So uh, it's a, it's on Harvard somewhere. I can't remember right now, but yeah. Harvard. Anyhow, anyways, anyhow, kill your idols T-shirt, killer. They're recording at Pacific Coffee Roasters is where they uh, shot that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. The video, I, I suppose it's not without its problems. You know, kind of like this weird leaning on body image stuff that kind of <laughs> bummed me out. Maybe well, cause... I think that. The way Sorry, that the way that I yeah yeah the way that I even in the year two thousand when this video came out and it was you know the the bonus on the CDR when you actually bought the CDR uh, or the CD of it and you could what was it called oh a CD ROM that's it and you could put it <laughs> in your computer and watch the video yeah um, even then watching it knowing that by this time there'd been so many uh, goofy eighties movies that good riddance had sampled at the beginning of records obviously when they make a video it's going to look like you know a john hughes movie sure that's kind of how i was looking at it and yeah all the same problems that come along with john hughes movies 30 years later but also uh, the tongue-in-cheekness of it and the idea that they are definitely a punk band just like yeah okay cool go vegan and people think you're a babe yeah that's totally totally not lost on me and like the body image stuff i would i assume maybe bum me out because i know floyd and i are both big boys so i was like oh man but but kind of similar to what you were maybe alluding to is that i do love how it shows someone making positive changes for their mental and physical health in the video which i can also relate to (laughs) as i am currently not poisoning myself with substance abuse but spoiler alert the thing I really do like about it, though, is that you find out at the end he didn't do it for the girls. You know, like at first he's like cramming his face with Dairy Queen and you think, oh, no, no one's going to love me, blah, blah, blah. You know, sad boy stuff. I know. <laughs> um, 
I mean, he kind of did do it for them, but like, it's not like a lovey-dovey, a lovey-dovey, what? A lovey-dovey, happily ever after ending. It's really like your friends having your back because when life's not fair, true friends will always be there. Just pumping them on, being like, no, we got you, having a good time. He's more confident at the end. They do that really weird, like, dickish thing to women at the end, you know, just toying with them. But uh, yeah, so I do really like the video. Oh, before I get into the song itself, though, another small thing in the video that uh, I really enjoyed were like the cuts to Floyd just mouthing weight of the world when the choruses were going on. Uh-huh. I thought that was I thought that was cool. So, yeah. So this song, fuck this song, man. Fuck this yeah. song. I, this I song, felt like I felt like we'd get into it and you're like, yep, new number one. Yeah, this song fucking rules. Every single second of this song is so good. That little drum intro. The harmonies, the bridge, everything. Even like by the second or third listen, I had my fists in the air singing, I see you struggling with the weight of what? Just like punching the air. Uh, it's fun. It's positive. I'm grateful to have friends like this and consider myself to be a friend like this. Top tier, classic skate punk from the Epifat stuff. Banger, 11 out of 10. Super high up there. And just an all-timer for me on this one. This is a fucking jam. From the first hit of the drums, this song rocks ass. Dave Ron, as I've said, <laughs> truly shows up on Phenomenon of Craving. And his treatment of this one, like on One for the Braves, is such a killer example of how he showed up and like didn't just do the job. I think it's amazing, too, that the band in One for the Braves, it let they let the song breathe a little bit. Like we talked last week about how Phenomenon of Craving as a record is a really good indicator that Good Riddance is like at their core, a hardcore band. Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, the most hardcore leaning of the first wave of bands on fat. And in this EP, they still have a song. And like, actually, it's, you know, one of their catchiest and poppiest songs that just grabs everybody, even in the middle of this EP where they're playing ostensibly just hardcore songs. Uh, we compare Good Riddance to a lot of bands on this show, but there are very few that have ever put together a song as impactful as this one. Like, just look around online for like, if you look up Good Riddance covers, and once you get past all the Green Day ones, you'll see every, <laughs> like, like every, everyone covers one for the brave. I, anyone that does a Good Riddance cover, um, like it's a lot, like a lot, a lot. And unsurprisingly, a large percentage of those covers are by uh, the Quebecois people, your people, Dan. All right, maybe um, that's why I'm, I'm on board with it. Well, I mean, the province of Quebec, of course, is the pop punk capital of North America. And before someone gets in on me, Dan, about that, mm -hmm. Southern California, I know I'm talking from a strictly population density perspective. There might be more fans of pop punk in SoCal. But if you go to Montreal or Quebec City, it's just kind of part of the culture. And mm -hmm. it's such a smaller population. But pop punk is so much bigger part of that population anyway you know like good riddance right to see. oh jesus christ <laughs> Sorry. Uh, like good riddance plays to rooms that hold you know acts that are much bigger elsewhere in the world play the same rooms that good riddance would in montreal or quebec you know, mm -hmm. like, maybe not like queens of the stone age but not not queens of the stone age you know like like you, very you're, big you're, bands your big fat bands or like even I guess Rise Against is Batman, but like even that, like your Rise Against, your your AFIs and stuff like that, like they they are they're big rooms and they're packed. Yeah, 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 
Yeah, it's not not quite like, you know, clubs, but like 3,500 person clubs. Anyway, for sure. Songs like this are destined to be huge in the province of Quebec. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. <laughs> so, yeah, the the bouncing groove in One for the Brave, it, it pulls you in. The bridge is amazing. The desperation in Russ's voice is familiar, but it's not as aggro as we're used to hearing. And I think that's really cool. There's a fade out in this fucking song. Like what punk songs have fade outs? And it's not corny. Like it fits. It works. It makes sense. Uh, the lyrics here are top notch pop punk girl song lyrics. You love this shit so much. So I'll, I will say that uh, I, I have like a, a stupid, uh, not at all accurate reading, which is maybe the song is not about Russ helping some girl with a bunch of problems. Maybe it's just one problem. And that problem is that this person is learning how to play guitar or drums or bass. And they're really struggling learning the song Weight of the World. And Russ, and Russ is there to help you. He's always by your side because he sees you struggling with the weight of the world. <clears throat> anyway, like you were saying, uh, the, uh, the video, like I was saying, is filmed at Pacific Coffee Roasters. Uh, extremely on brand. Good riddance and coffee. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if someone made a good riddance coffee? Can you imagine if someone ever did something like that? That'd be weird, right? It was the first thing I thought of when you said it was at a coffee roaster. And I was like, man, somebody should make a good riddance coffee. Somebody did. Yesterday died, tomorrow won't be born. Uh, this is middle of side two. I can't remember the actual track number. Side two, I'll talk about it in a minute. Anyway, this is uh, Luke and Sean and Chuck and Russ. Yesterday died, tomorrow won't be born from Operation Phoenix, 1999. We've talked a lot about this record. This is the 17th song that we've talked about <laughs> from this recording session Fuck. we have we have one more to go dan how did you feel about yesterday died tomorrow won't be born we have one more to go uh i'm trying to think if i know what it is no maybe not okay yeah it's article four we talked about it last week we made oh, a joke while you were pulling out a hot diggity bag i don't remember what happened yesterday little last week yeah okay fair um and so and speaking of which we have another week and another three songs by the same band that are so different that they could easily be by different bands. This is uh, it's it's almost like it's a trope of our weekly episodes. I also learned that yesterday died, tomorrow won't be born is the name of season one, episode twelve of Hawaii Five O. I okay. get into it, brother. <laughs> Anyways, from a poppy positive punk song to a positively punched in the face with a minute and a half of all out assault this is a very big difference from what we just listened to um i do really love the screaming parts 
yeah. from the back and forth that's going on. And then with about 25 seconds left or so, it goes into like this really sick mosh part. Um, it's like a solid outro that is a really, really good breakdown that I half expected it to have, like, uh, as uh, the DC hardcore kids once called it, the, the jungle beat, you know, was it DC or New York that called it? Anyways, someone in early hardcore, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I do. This is so close to sounding to something like carry on or betrayed in, in the best fucking way possible. Like the production and the tone are super spot on for this kind of like pseudo youth crew revival hardcore song that was happening like in that era, like all those newer hardcore bands. I was, I was having a great time. And then I had to go and ruin it by reading the fucking lyrics. Um, no, no, sorry. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. It's uh, it is a really sad one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on pod, but I've struggled with depression and anxiety. I don't know. I don't know if I've said that before. So uh, uh, there you go. So now you know. Um, (laughs) Fuck. So I feel that all that being said, I feel like I have lived this song like more than once. Um, Just reading the lyrics, like I I have to admit that there was also some sense of like relief um, hearing the song and reading the lyrics and like reading it now, knowing that I'm not the only one who's experienced this. There literally is someone who is has used their platform to fuck that hurt um use their platform to like express this feeling um yeah it was good uh, it's uh, i was i wish i was moshing to this when i was a teenager thinking i was <laughs> the only one going through shit like this but now i as you can probably hear me smiling or hear me laughing through it i, I smile about it and mosh in my little office chair to the best of my abilities with my geriatric back and uh it's great this is uh yeah, this is another good one. So you know what? Fuck this song too. This is wow, this, fuck yeah, all the songs. Fuck all the songs. This is a, a plus goodie boys. This is uh this was a here's the hypocrisy revenge was always a huge, huge song for me, you know, from that story that I told when we did the episode. No, I can't go there. I was gonna say this might this might overtake it as my favorite song on that record. Um just with the whole feeling of it all just because it it feels like that late 90s early 2000s hardcore vibe uh also i I was gonna say i feel like we're we're so close to the end uh, of the project that by the time the dudes in the band get caught up to this part because we know that they're a little bit behind uh there'll be no request from them for me to stop calling them goody boys so i'm just gonna slide it in a couple more times before we put it to rest (laughs) uh so first of all i want to say that I feel like the lyrics still figure into the yet unconfirmed theory that Operation Phoenix mm-hmm. is concept record. Mm-hmm. This sounds, this definitely fits into that one. And also, without any spoilers, Dan, have you started listening to all the records that we have finished so far? And are you taking notes? But don't tell us anything about the notes. Just want to know, are you digging into it? Yeah, man, it's a lot. Who would have thought? that there are that many <laughs> fucking good written songs. Yeah. And now you're listening to them all in a row. Is it funny? <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I'm going to save it. We'll do Let's it. Little, little, yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. it. <laughs> all right. So side two, as I started saying before, side two of Operation Phoenix might be my favorite side of a good written album or really any fucking album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just unrelenting. And yesterday died, tomorrow won't be born is right there in the middle of it. The plug again slash warming up sound that we've talked about, you know, it's in, uh, uh, comprehensive guide uh, credit to his gender as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, where where it's like just warming up. It's almost disarming because 
the way that the drums come in for the first like little bit, like to just like split second of the drums, it sounds like the drums are also doing the same kind of warming up thing. And then it just picks right up. Like it sounds like he's also warming up until it definitely does not sound like that. And once it comes together, there is no stopping. The song gathers steam so fast. The vocal pattern in this song for me is the thing that stands out most. Like it's just shouted staccato lines, but then the third line runs into the fourth and there's a super tight split second stop down. The second half of the verse follows a similar rhythm and a rhyme scheme, but then it blends right into the chorus. Like the song has gone from verse to chorus and, and there's been no indication that it's doing it. It's just fucking ripping through and then Chuck doing some killer screaming call and response stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking good. Uh, the verse comes back in and then we get another chorus and then the breakdown that you were talking about. Holy shit. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that breakdown that leads to the end of the song with the buildups and explosions, the gang vocals here sounding like real. Like they, mm -hmm. they, they don't sound too over the top. Like it's not like they called 20 people into the room to come and do it. It just sounds like the band yelling all of this shit over top of yeah. the breakdown at the end. Two more little notes about yesterday died. Tomorrow won't be born. Personal note. When Matt Wu and I played in our band together, we covered this song. This was the good oh, song nice. that we decided to cover. Uh, and yeah, Matt being the Chuck part, me being the Russ part, neither of us being as good at uh, yelling or <laughs> playing instruments as Chuck sure. and Russ are. Is there a recording uh, of this or video? Uh, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> and two, the title, like you were saying, Yesterday Died, Tomorrow Won't Be Born, is from an episode of Hawaii Five O, episode 12, season one, apparently. Deadly title for an episode of TV. And I found this out mm. while I was in Hawaii, because I flew to Hawaii to watch the season six premiere of Lost. And Flex. on the TV Guide channel, it says the title uh, of the show and the episode. And like, otherwise, I would have never known. I just assumed that it was a deadly title for a song on a Good Riddance album. Uh, and instead, while I was in Hawaii to watch TV, uh there there it was <laughs> so hold on I'll, I'll wait till you're done and then i have a no. follow-up question okay so here's the other thing though in the 90s and early 2000s it was a whole thing to have intro music for a band to walk out onto stage to it didn't yes. you know like not even like gigantic bands but like you know <laughs> sick of it all used yeah sick of yeah. it all used the <laughs> music from the fight music from star trek yeah like the fucking that one and then uh, yeah and i think that against me still comes out to ban from the roxy by crass but like off the top of your head can you remember any more oh off the top of my head um i'm picturing them or like i'm picturing seeing them and just laughing oh shit like newfound glory had a really good one. Oh man no off the top of my head i'm i'm kind of blanking but but yeah like bands used to do that a lot anyway 100 but Good Riddance used to come out to the theme from Hawaii Five O by The Ventures. <laughs> and what a fucking jam. Like, what an amazing thing to walk out on stage to. Mm -hmm. Anyway, love this fucking song. I love this fucking band. Uh, what did you want to ask me about, Dan? Okay, well, before I ask you the question, um, one, one thing I really love about that song is that when I'm really feeling myself, that's my theme song. Because I go like, da-da-da-dan-dan-dan. Dan, 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 dan. Anyways. Um, wow. that's not. I, okay. I, wish, I wish that was a joke, but that is for real um my question was because i don't think i knew this so i hope we didn't actually already cover it you went to hawaii to watch the season six premiere of lost hell yeah 
uh lost was is to this day still the most fun i have ever had watching a tv show it's not the greatest show ever because like then what's sopranos but like uh lost is just as it was airing the internet wasn't quite what it is now like lost couldn't exist now it was just a time and a place and like hurley on that show is a, a awesome yeah, uh, there's weird, like mystical, magical shit. There's sci-fi shit. Mm-hmm. The love and romance stuff kind of got annoying. Uh, I was way more into polar bears and frozen donkey wheels. I love the shit out of Lost. <laughs> I have a Lost tattoo. Oh, yeah. I, I was I was also obsessed when it was uh, when it was on because the internet obviously was a thing, um, yeah. and there was like the message boards with all the uh, uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, I hate using the word conspiracy theories now because it's such a dirty dirty tinge to that word but you know what i mean yeah, but, the, but like no Easter i definitely and, yeah I, I definitely logged on to 4815162342.com okay okay like that was de- i was a part of it i was definitely way 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 into lost uh yeah. and yeah and so when the season six for the season six premiere so first of all going to hawaii which is where most of lost was filmed yes almost all of it uh going there and like doing stupid touristy things of like ooh this is the cave where this happens and this is a Dharma station and uh, went and did all that stuff. And then the season nice. six premiere, they had a big screen set up on uh, a beach in Honolulu and a bunch of people sat around and watched lost together. But of course people were talking because people are the fucking worst. And uh, I ended up just watching it on a uh, TV in a hotel room, which was actually called the Pearl, which was the name of a Dharma station. So that was like the cherry on top. <laughs> That's actually Pearl on super top. sick. That is a cool story that I did not know. <laughs> Yeah, real, real dorkery. Speaking of real dorkery, who's still listening to this podcast? And did they send us any questions this week? Yeah, we actually got a few messages um, asking us about the old Pootsa Fest. Um, oh, okay. Mainly because we are within driving distance. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty close. So people were mm-hmm. just asking if, um, if their favorite bozos were going to be uh, hanging out at Pootsa Fest. Going with a hard maybe. I saw you respond to someone. Uh, I think it was Matt. But I was like, I laughed real hard. Um, yeah. That being said, so like to kind of piggyback on that, I'm I'm also a hard maybe. I was a definite yes this time last week, and then as um, I have aged through the week, I'm like, oh, a lot of the bands I want to see are playing in Toronto, so maybe I don't go. Yeah, I feel like uh, catching good riddance on the way there and propaganda on the way back kind of negates my need to go to Montreal for it. But who knows, mm-hmm. if I get fired from my job and I have a week off, then I'll probably go. Yeah, well, that is the the thing with, with your line of work is that weekends are uh, big times. Big times, busy times. Yeah, big Holy times. Shit, sure. I should not be allowed to have a microphone. So that said, the, the piggyback question is um, what assuming you were to go other than good riddance and propaganda obviously are there do you know of like five acts that you'd be that you'd be like stoked to see maybe some of them they're a little bit more lesser known uh i like seeing cancer bats a lot yeah that's on there for sure oh i like bad waitress a lot i'm stoked that bad waitress get to play a show this big that's very good for them i like that band a lot bad waitress For a while, the uh, drummer for that band was a dishwasher at a bar I was working at. Oh, nice. You know what I'm going to do? These lesser known ones, like Bad Waitress, I'm going to write these down to make sure they get on that uh, playlist. Uh, one that I'm kind of cool on is Dollar Signs. 
Who's dollar signs? What are they about? They're from like, I think they're from North Carolina. Yes, they're from North Carolina. They're just like a jangly, like uh fest punk band. Oh, Brutal Youth are playing. That's great. Yeah, that is. Well, they're also playing those uh those, they're playing uh, the good ridden shows good on the shows. way there, right? Yeah. Mm. Ooh, Tim Barry. Love me some Tim Barry. Yeah. I have both a Tim Barry tattoo, as some people will know from hearing the uh, tattoo the tattoo episode. But uh, within the last couple of weeks, I uh, went and saw my buddy Kevin around the corner, and I got him to do the uh, the avail stickman on me because I was bummed that I couldn't go to those uh, those shows with hot water music. When I ran into Chris, he's like, "I kind of thought you were going to be there," and I was like, "Yeah, my girlfriend was uh, recuperating from surgery, and I felt bad just hopping on a flight to go to Atlanta for the weekend to go see avail." So you yeah. know what? That's the responsible thing to do. Uh, all questions covered about Pooza Fest and are we going to be there or was there more stuff? Mm, have you ever had a Pooza? What? I'm going to take that as a no. So the festival is named after you get those dollar slices from Pizza Seapan across the street from Fafuns. Oh, yeah, and you sure. put a yeah, yeah, putsin yeah. on it and then you roll it up and you eat it like a greasy burrito, a French Canadian burrito. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could go with no on that one. Pusafes questions out of the way. Do you have the hot <laughs> yeah. diggity bag ready? Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. I put my also, hand in and like seven of them came out and I was like, oh, it's pretty much everything. Whoops. Oh, snap. I didn't realize we didn't do this one yet. That's fun. Um, the Shangri-Las cover, leader of the pack. Leader of the pack. All bangers, Dan. I told you. That is that is a fun one. Did we do Darkest Days? Yes, we did, right? No, we haven't done Darkest Days. Oh, I thought we did. Maybe the, the week that I was away. Speaking of songs with videos. And then, ew. Oh, thoughts and prayers. We have Edmund Pettisbridge. Oh, okay. Dan, seriously, I am so excited for the last run of these shows because it's all bangers. <laughs> I, uh, I just I just am curious and terrified on when the namesake is going to come out. It's kind of yeah. funny. Yeah. Is it even like in the, the bag? bag? <laughs> oh, did you just not put it in the bag? Is that the is that the joke? Because like, oh, I think oh, here's the thing. I mean, here's I could the look. There's, there's, a, there's so few <laughs> that are, I can actually is, take a look. There is no point in lying to the Last Believer faithfuls. We honestly have not avoided doing Last Believer. It just hasn't happened for this long. It's really weird. I know that like it would make sense if the last episode of Last Believer, we talked about Last Believer, but also setting it up that way is a little too predictable. And I don't, I don't like predictable. So we aren't trying to do this. It's just kind of happened this way. Almost like that uh, said, that, that said, that said, now that we only have like four episodes left, maybe we just make the last episode the last believer episode. Because if it's gone this far, why fuck it up? You know, dude, I'm not even joking. I just took all of the, the pieces of paper out of the bag, yeah, opened them up one by one. The yeah. second last one was last believer, of course. Okay, so, it, so it's back in the bag, but I don't know, maybe the last episode is last believer. I don't know. Maybe, you know what? Let's just make a, that judgment call. Fuck it. Yeah, Why not? The last episode is going to be the last believer episode. Stick there around for the last, last believer, last believer, believer, last, last believer, believer episode is going to be last believer. 
You better believe it. <laughs> okay, Dan. <Fuck. laughs> now that we've lost, alienated the last listeners that we had, if there's anyone still listening, they want to hang out, talk to us, let us know their thoughts about Last Believer or whatever. You know, Last Believer, the song or the podcast, whatever. Uh, how do they do that? <laughs> well, there's a couple ways. Um, one of those ways, a little for the old quick and dirty, little nice and easy. Let's not say quick and dirty. Just the uh, the quick, fast way <laughs> to reach us. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Last Believer Pod. Slide in those DMs. You know, comment on those posts. You know, Josh likes to post the uh, the record covers of the songs that we're doing. So that's always fun. And uh, yeah, if you have more stuff you want to, more stuff, maybe a little bit longer form or an attachment, send us your favorite Good Riddance flyers. I've been having a fun time getting those and repurposing them in the in our stories. Lastbeliever_pod at gmail.com. And next week we'll be back with the songs uh, "Leader of the Pack" and "Darkest Days" and Edmund Pettus Bridge. Thanks to Fat Records. Thanks to Good Riddance. Thank you, Dan, for hanging out and having such a good time this week. And uh, thank you to everyone who continues listening to Last Believer, a podcast about Good Riddance. Yup.